Hey everybody, welcome to Street Fight Radio. This is a uh, bonus, it's not a bonus show, it is a bonus show in a way. It's something that's not the normal basement show. We are on tour right now, it's Wednesday. We will be in Las Vegas this Sunday performing live. You can still come see us, there's still time. So this is the show uh, that's going to play when we're not here, so... We didn't even give one of these last time, so this is like, I'm really proud of us for doing this right now. You should be thankful, is what Brett's trying to say. Yeah, I'm just a little more subtle about it. Yeah. No, I'm saying you should be thankful that I thought, you know, hey, we don't need to record an undercover boss this week. What if we do another show? Perfect. And then boom, we did it. Here it is. Thanks for the support. Thanks for following what we do. If you want more shows i mean there's a huge archive on itunes the biggest archive is on wcrsfm.org um and then you can always get bonus shows and bonus videos bonus zines over at patreon.com sign up you know give us three five dollars a month we will use it to spread this mess across the u.s and you know we've been paying people to do cool stuff i mean i like having artists get paid you know, way more than they ever have before, you know, and utilizing new people and ex- exciting uh, people that are excited to, to have opportunities. So it's growing and I'm really just awe in awe at the uh, community that's built around it. And thanks for being here. My name is Brett Payne. My co-host is Brian Quimby. We're Street Fight Radio, the number one anarcho comedy radio show on any station across the nation. And we got a special show today. Uh, what are we doing? We're doing a and a I figure we could talk a little bit about what's going on lately, too. You know, just, we got sure. the, uh, I'm studying shock jocks. I am deep in research of uh, shock jocks. Uh, this time next week, Brett will probably be extremely tired of listening to Tom Likas by now. This part of the tour, since he's Brett's going to co-host the Tom Likas episode of the Shock Jock Show with me. Yeah, Brian. Well, I mean, and I applaud this utilizing his free time to do a deep dive investigation into where all of this uh, talk people talking in your ear all day all day began. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've talked about this a few times on the show, and I think behind the scenes way a lot. Uh, this all did kind of come from that. I, I mean, from the conservative Rush Limbaugh. I mean, I grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh with my grandma and my my dad. Um, I I came up with Opie and Anthony and Howard Stern. Like I read Howard Stern's books in 1994. I think both of them that year, yeah, 95. And uh, I'm reading his new one now, and that guy's different. He is different. He's a vegan. Oh, really? Oh, he's a lib turd. He would, he... He went all the way. And I started reading his, it's funny. It's great if you have money, dude. I started reading the comments on his new book, and people are, his fans are not happy with him, okay? Really? They are, a lot of people were like, I'm tired of this fucking liberal nonsense on this show. And it's like, he's not doing left-wing radio, dude. No. He is a Hillary Clinton guy. He's, right. He's and like he's so nice to Donald Trump in the foreword to his book. Uh-huh. Like cuz in his book, so this new book he has is an 18-page introduction and then he doesn't he printed all of his interviews. 
right? A bunch of his interviews, not all of them, like some of the more important, more famous people interviews. And he does an introduction for each interview. And in every few chapters, there's the thing called a now a word from our president. That's a clip from a Howard Stern interview with Donald Trump. And uh, he makes sure to say in the thing, like, dude, I didn't think that he, I didn't think he wanted to be the president. And I'm not trying to take him down, but this is stuff that he said on my show. And he even related it back to when he ran for governor. Because Howard ran for governor years ago and dropped out when he found out he was in the lead. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah he was like, wait a second, you can't actually make me the guy. <laughs> yeah, because he was like, I'll run for the governor. He's like, and the law, he tried to cancel tolls to like some famous weekend place. He wanted to uh, reinstate the death penalty and fill potholes with the ashes of convicted felons and something else. And people were like, fuck, I want to vote for that. I'm amped. I, I got to vote for that. And then he was like, uh, that's scary. And dropped out right. of the race. That was, you know? that was joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a funny thing, though, right? Because we talk so much about like. You know, ironic racism, ironic misogyny and, and ironic homophobia and stuff being like maybe not the best idea. We had, we had that conversation with Patton Oswald. And it is like, man, you know, you say the, that stuff. The wrong people. Some people get in, they just get inspired by it. You don't mean to inspire them. It's not I'm not saying you're racist or wrong. I'm saying that like you're inspiring people and you might not want to. <laughs> You might yeah. want to, you, I think if, I think that there are a lot of comedians and a lot of entertainers who would think twice about that if they gave two minutes of thought to like, maybe we're inspiring the like wrong element of people. I, I mean, after listening to a ton of Opie and Anthony over the past two weeks, I think that's what happened with Opie from that radio show because the motherfucker is just like, I don't want to have porn stars in my studio anymore. I don't want to do this stuff anymore. This stuff. And then, you know, the other guys call him gay for that, you know, right, and, right. and like make fun of him. And like, I'm not saying he's a good guy. He's a bad guy. But like, I can see being in that world and then realizing, oh, my God, you know, my co-host is a fucking Stormfront commenter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm surrounded by like real bigots. Yeah. And in the past week, you know. The, the Nick DiPaolo comedy special has been a big topic of, of conversation online. And, like, that stuff just doesn't work anymore. And, no. and, and it's funny because the world we live in is, like, we, like, if we say it doesn't work, right? Like, if we say this doesn't work anymore, this isn't good anymore, that is perceived by them as we're snowflakes and we're offended by the whole thing instead of, this is just old and this isn't working. This just isn't good jokes. This isn't funny, you know? Yeah. There's nothing surprising about this. They don't, there's there. I, I, I honestly there, you maybe you can make me, you could make a joke that would make me laugh. That wouldn't be offensive, but uh, you're not trying. You're, you're really just want to stick it to them. They, they've got, he, he got to the point where he just wanted to say like, I don't believe in what trans people say. Yeah. And it's like, that's the joke. And it's like, well, I don't get it. You know, just because you're angry, that makes it a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that mean you believe it or not? And why are you saying this? Is it bad? And 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 uh, I heard this on Poddam America's bonus episode about the Nick DiPaolo video, but they called it Clapter. 
And it's something that people like us have been accused of in the past. I, me and Brett particular in specific haven't been accused of this, but people who come from a left perspective have been accused of going for clapter, which is I say something I I'm on stage as a comedian and I talk and I say something that people just generally agree with and they clap. They're not yeah. laughing. It, it's laughing. It's hey, right. I like what you just said, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what they do. They we we are not me and you work really hard for laughs. Yeah, yeah. And yes, I do think that we do also do clacter. I, I I wouldn't say that me and you don't do that because we do sometimes on stage say things that people just agree with and they decide to get excited about it. Yeah. But 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 uh, we want to make sure there's jokes and we want to make people laugh when we're up there. And I think they do too, but they're not doing that. That's yeah. not the service they're providing. They're providing... A show so everybody can have their most hateful thoughts. Yes, rep- represented. Yeah, yeah. Someone, someone is someone that thinks comedy is some is a person going up there and saying the meanest things possible, but having it be cutesy yeah. or, or like in a funny way. Right. Yeah. Or or just he's an angry guy. Oh, this guy's angry. You know. Right. I mean the the Cosby stuff on the DePaulo special is straight up just racism. It's not even like, and it's right. like, but that's supposed to be the joke, right? It's like I'm being racist out loud. That's funny, right? That's yeah. the premise. That's the premise of the joke. It's the turn of like, he is against me too, but he also hates Bill Cosby, and his premise is that. Uh, and I was just on your Kickstarter sucks premium last week, so you can listen to us us kind of talk about that too. But his premise is that like, well, me too came out, and they never even went after Bill Cosby. He wasn't even a part of Me Too. And I'm like, he was like the fucking beginning of Me Too. Yeah. He was like the one of the major people sure. that got caught up in Me Too. There were fucking magazine covers with pictures of his victims on them. Yeah. And he was just saying, it's like, oh, no, he they didn't even say that about him because he's black and they all like him. What? Yeah, that was the premise. And the premise that just is sound- wrong and faulty and not that's a just- funny thing. No, no. That's just like a guy at the bus stop that is just telling his stupid thoughts to somebody yeah right yeah that's just a, like that's a that's a moron yeah <laughs> that, yes yes <laughs> that's just like he's like ah man you know you know why black guy they don't care who they rape you know yes. it's like that what okay is yeah. that funny yeah it's, it's just because you're just being gross and you're just trying to say the worst thing possible yes yeah and, and that's supposed to make us like giggle yeah it's like being 13 again right and when the shock jock thing Ugh. With the shock jock thing is like, I can listen to these things. And, you know, I've listened to a million hours of Howard Stern and a million hours of Opie and Anthony. And uh, I see why they're funny. Like, I was a fan of both of them, granted. But I also, as a comedian now, as an entertainer, as a broadcaster sort of thing, I see that they were working hard to be funny. And they were naturally funny guys. They used it for the wrong reasons. but. But I'm now getting into the B tier of Shock Jock, the Bubba the Love Sponge, the Man Cow, the Tom Likas. And like, there's nothing there. It's just not, it's not funny. It's not fun to listen to. And it didn't make me laugh at all. It didn't, I didn't even get a thing in my head where I said, I understand why people listen to this because it all came off very mean spirited, not funny, and not compelling. So. 
that's where I'm, I, I mean, I, I just, I, I like to give updates of what I'm doing and I'm like deep, in, I am deep in research. I'm reading books. I'm reading the Howard Stern book. Now I'm going to read the Anthony Cumia book next. That one's going to be tough. I think it's bad. It has. Yeah. Been. Hopefully he didn't write it. He did. No. And, um, he, with ghost with two other guys. Okay. But like the thing about him is that he's not an introspective guy. Howard Stern talks in his book about how. He had figured out, this was interesting to me, and I think it'd be interesting to the listeners and probably to you. Yeah, a good preview of what's to come. Right. He had written in his recent book that uh, he figured ratings out to a T, okay? So when he was on regular radio, they check your ratings every 15 minutes. It's a quarter hours. And uh, he figured out that if you wait till 14 minutes and say something shocking, people will stay for the next 15 minutes. So basically, he felt that he needed to blurt something shocking out every 14 minutes on his show so that people would come to the next 15 minutes. It's amazing. And Smart. Yeah, but his interview, he said, my interviews totally suffered from that. He's like, you know, when I'm doing a regular show, when I'm just doing a conversation, when me and if he, when he's doing what me and Brett are doing right now, uh, that's fine. I could blurt something shocking out every 14 minutes. It wouldn't fuck the show up. The show would flow right. But when he's doing an interview, right, like he has to just say something like, how big is your penis? Right. <laughs> like then the guy shuts off and then you don't have an interview anymore. Right, right. And uh, so he's talking, he talked about how he learned. It was very interesting to me. Like, cause like to hear a guy that was like genuinely ashamed of that older stuff was really, Oh really? Yeah. He's genuinely ashamed of those old interviews that people loved that, that like the mainstream media, the monoculture, everything that was, they wouldn't stop talking about how Howard Stern's one of the greatest interviewers in the world because he'll like ask fucking Ali Sheedy if she's had anal, you know? (laughs) But, like, he was like, that never helped me. Like, that basically, they left and never came back. Yeah. You and know, I you never burned, got another word you out. You burned a bridge. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought it was great. I also thought it was great that he said, like, why he did America's Got Talent was to soften his, was to s- sort of soften his thing so he could get more celebrities on his show. And right. tells an anecdote where he's sitting at a restaurant and uh, a, a Midwestern mother and husband comes up to him and puts their kids on his lap so they can take a picture with their kids and Howard Stern. And he was like, I used to just, people used to avoid me. Right. People used to like avoid eye contact. People hated me. And now this happens. And I'm like that. I mean, it's incredible. I think it's good that like a guy like I like it was encouraging me to me. Yeah, that's that, an interesting arc. I mean, you that's all you want to see from somebody is growth. And you know, that goes back to the interview we did with with Patton is that uh we definitely could have blurted some stuff out to uh spark some fires and shit, but I think it's better to create a relationship that you know we can go back to in yeah, the future. You know? have a conversation with. So I yeah I I I uh the talk about comedy lately has been really great to hear and I I talked a lot in New York about it with other guys and I had John Cullen on a future third show where we talked a lot about stand up and the scene and stuff like that and uh I'm like really encouraged by it I think things are getting better sure but slowly yeah and a lot of these old guys are. They're still in charge. And they have all the money. Right. And they're also going, but there's a lot of them that are, that are like going back and saying like, ah, cause it's okay to not be proud of things that you did in yeah, your past. Yeah, yeah. It's very okay. Like, you know, 
uh, I've said vile things into yeah. microphones in my past, and, and like I, I don't, I I regret that. I I wish I had not done that, and I I I'm glad that I changed it and came back and 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 did something a lot more inclusive that that hurt less people, and yeah. that luckily nobody wanted to hear me say that shit anyway, so there was nobody listening. Right. You know. Yeah. And uh, you know just. I was a bully growing up and I, I, I was not like a good guy. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I regret that stuff and I try to make amends for that in my life. And it's good to see other, like there were a lot of people that said a lot of horrible stuff that made a lot of people feel bad that are now starting to re-examine their past and say, uh, you know, maybe yeah. that wasn't the best thing to ever do yeah i was definitely been impulsively cruel and mean in my life and uh i think that is great and i think it you know is always comforting that you know you can really change who you are if you just stay true to like who you want to be or at the time you know like uh being a wild child when you're young crazy radio guy is one thing but then growing up and being something else is completely normal you know and, right. uh, and also still shocked that howard stern's a vegetarian or vegan like yeah just, i mean it's like he can afford it he's probably got like the best chef doing it health stuff too he's a health freak. all of them that's how they lived i mean he's gonna be he'll be 90 you yeah. know all these guys are health freaks they're that, like that was one of the reasons uh people were talking about the bathtub bit on the uh Collins he probably show doesn't smoke or drink he probably no. he seems like a sober guy yeah people were talking about the bathtub bit in the Colin show and one of the reasons i did that was uh do stuff like that is because those shock jocks were all like the other side of the coin about that they were all like i don't want to shake hands with people keep hand sanitizer around me and you know they were afraid of everything they were germaphobes all of them yeah every really? single one of them and and like you know a lot of their stand-up was about like oh i saw this guy not wash his hands in the bathroom and i'm like i'll fucking stand next yeah. to you and piss and lick my hand and like <laughs> sure but like i i always found that to be a weird thing and that's something like because a lot again the reason i'm doing a shock talk show is because our show brett maybe didn't listen to a lot of that stuff but he listened to alex jones and rush limbaugh and stuff like that i was inspired by that stuff and I, my, uh, my my style of radio my style of this is is a hundred percent a reaction to that yeah you know? i watched a ton of howard stern when he was on e yeah. And uh, all the time we watched it in the middle of the night when yeah. there was nothing else to do. It would just be that on fucking repeat. Yeah. And then I did read his book and watch the movie. You want to hear some weird, a weird thing about him before we get into the questions? Like what? a really weird thing that like I told my wife and she wasn't as weirded out by as me, but I was weirded out by it is that in his book, he says uh, before he does an interview, he does about 10 pages of research. He does research and he jots down notes and Smart. he generally has about 10 pages of notes nice. before an interview. He can't memorize things by reading them. So he has a guy that comes in a room during the commercial break and reads all 10 page notes to him out loud so that he can remember it. And I was like, that's fucking weird. And she was like, Oh, you think it's weird that like a business would bend themselves around one guy? And I'm like, yeah, she's like, that's, that's kind of funny coming from you. It is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatever makes it work really yeah. at yeah. that point. I mean, I, I can see that happening for me. I've been, 
I've been more apt to create more stuff now, and I've been doing more like live streams on Instagram and talking about shooting some new videos with Means TV, like Anarchist Cookbook stuff, and actually setting up dates for that. And uh, yeah, there is, I mean, I could get to that point, you know, for (laughs) sure, where I just am like, can I just dictate to somebody and they write it down for me? (laughs) Yeah, I found that weird. I, I just don't think I could ever be like, I think that's a, I don't, I don't get, I don't understand it. I, I just seem like. I guess if you're paying a guy good to do stuff like that, that's fine. But to he, me, it feels like. A, he's just living on the edge, dude. It's just like, what do I got to know? And then they just rattle off 10 pages of notes and then he <laughs> just fucking dives in. Yeah. Said he remembers every fucking word after the guy reads it to him. Every well, that's word. true. That makes sense. I get it because that's I actually that would make sense for me, too, because that's like when I listen to a really long story at the bar, like on a patio and I follow a story for like nine minutes. And I can do the whole thing and mimic the person as yeah. soon as I'm done hearing yeah. it, you know? I just found it interesting because it's like, I don't I don't think I notice a lot of the things that this business does to make things easier for me. I, I like, don't even think I notice that as much, as much as I should. Uh-huh. And, like, uh, he is the other side of the spectrum where he's 100% comfortable knowing that right. the whole business runs around him and that he just says... This is what you have to do in order for this thing to go. Yeah. <laughs> it's just strange to me. It's like to me. But again, like. I said, like, yeah, I mean, make, do you want to make money or not? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So our first uh, comment is from John in the uh, Facebook group and just wants us to know about the NWO shit at the uh, Denver airport. The uh, satanic stuff. We have we, seen it. We ha- did we see it? I thought we saw it last time we went. We, we went saw a few runes or some sort of things, but I think we'll have to double check and maybe get some pictures with it well some they said it's under construction now so of course they're hiding it uh the next one they're burying the truth somebody said tell us more about this anarchist house that's apparently in columbus why i don't want to blow up their spot i don't know it i don't think it's yeah i know it oh do you you went to it for i went to it for a meeting iww meeting right yeah i mean it just seems like a commune it just it's a commune house food not bombs works out of it yeah, and it's like uh, uh, they just be they an have act- a be big- an activist in Columbus. You'll find out where it's at, right? And I'll say this: uh, what I know about it is, it is clean as hell, and it doesn't smell bad, which you would not expect. I know. I anybody who's listened to a lot of third shows, anytime I talk to a punk, would know my feelings about communal houses. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, you got to be. It's concerned. It, it smells good, and uh, they have a big board up that tells everybody what they're supposed to do and it's a very well organized place and it seems to run very well that's great so yeah there's a lot of type a anarchist type that maybe that's what the a is for a type a yeah yeah uh somebody wants us to look into the car care clinic in tulsa okay so we will do that there's one there's a motorcycle repair shop in cleveland too that i would love to Maybe figure out if we can get means or Nick to come shoot something with them. Okay. Yeah. Because I found them on Instagram and they teach kids like how to repair motorcycles. It's fucking cool. People were like so surprised that I knew how to change brakes because I posted the picture of me yeah, changing I mean, you, brakes. Yeah. And people I were like, holy shit, you know how to change brakes? Teach us how to change oil. I was like, I'm fucking Valvoline instant oil change, Groupon.com. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you what, uh, my dad growing up. In the parking lot of the apartment, underneath the car, fix any problem, except for electrical. He says, I don't fuck with electrical. But 
has fixed every car ever. He never takes it to a shop. I asked him, I was like, Dad, you think my voice is probably squeaking? Dad, you think you could teach me how to do an oil change? And he was like, You know what, man? At Walmart, it's only like $18, and it's about how much it's going to cost you to get the oil anyway, so you yep. might as well just let them do it. Yep. He's like, or if you can find a coupon, he's like, it's not fucking worth knowing how to do that. And he's every- like, and then you're stuck. He's like, and then you're stuck with a bunch of fucking greasy oil. You don't know where to put it. It just sits in the garage and melts in some fucking milk jug, you know? So yeah. that was my dad's advice. Yeah. And, and you know, most people, uh, most people definitely. Breaks, though, is a, I mean, breaks is fun. I mean, I pay the taxation. My, my, I, I'm proud because I can pay the big bill, but I don't know how I would do that. I mean, it is so fucking expensive, dude. It's easy. And it cost $23 for me to do it. And I had to buy all the tools. It cost me 60 bucks buying all the tools right, right. to do it, too. So, yeah. I, well, I maybe mean, we can do that. It's not hard. I'll do a video of how to do it. It it's really takes like 15, 20. It, it was, took me an hour and a half. This feels to like do. a brainstorming session for videos. Right, yeah. Uh, Chris asks us, tell us your first moments meeting all of these other hot, cool, lefty podcasting people on Twitter. Uh, first interactions or first funnies. And... Uh, I mean, the first thing, uh, like, there is a time that I will never forget, and it is um, going to Philadelphia, and me and Brett getting in my car and driving to the bus stop and meeting Will for the first time was, like, one of the, it was, like, a real pivotal moment in my life, and it was, like, uh, he was such a sweet guy and really cool, and, like, we were friends right away, all yeah, of us yeah. were, like, best buddies within seconds like i trusted that guy yeah you yeah. know yep um jake flores i had i just met him last yeah. week and he uh that guy or last time i was in new york and and uh he just is a cool guy and he's one of the easiest guys i've ever talked to and loves talking about comedy so perfect guy for me you know? <laughs> yeah i uh, remember actually rachel millman probably six or seven or years ago um, probably when Charlotte was first born, I think it was when she was first born five or six years ago, uh, saying that Muppet Family Christmas was the best Muppet Christmas movie. And I had never seen it before. And it's one where all the Jim Henson Muppets get together, like the uh, Fraggle Rock is there. Um, there's some fucking Sesame Street is there, all mixed up. And it's like one of my favorite Christmas specials. And that's how I first talked to her in the first place. It was really weird that we did a show with her later on. Uh, but it was cool. Yeah. Um, Who else? The Antifada people were uh, really nice to us. And uh, we didn't get to hang much, but I, I had a conversation. We had a few conversations with them. It, that was mostly work. Like a lot of these things happen as like work or like me and Brad are about to go on stage or just walked off stage. So some of it is like really fast and what when we were in when we were in uh, the Democratic National Convention when we were in Philly, twenty sixteen or whatever. Stefan Heck, uh, we were standing outside and there was this Infowars guy that had a Hillary for prison shirt. And he was on like, our, he was, we were on like the liberal anti-protest side and he was out there yelling stuff about how MSNBC was mind controlling everybody and we were George Soros paid plants and all of that. And he like goes and takes a breath for one second 
And then uh, Stefan Heck says, what do you think of the new Ghostbusters? And he goes, man, lady Ghostbusters. <laughs> and then he just starts going off about how it was like, a, you know, an attack on men and like feminizing men and just went on this fucking rant. But it was just so funny. And that's one of those things where you just feel like you're hanging out with with like best buds for life. I know. Ta- uh, Tim Heidecker Shit and starters. Matt Chrisman yelling yeah. uh, Alex Jones stuff at each other in that bar. Yeah. Something that I remember. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there's a bunch. I, I mean, I, we've hung out with like a lot of people a lot of times now. Uh, yeah. uh, Jack Allison was a was I was like super cool, and he has a bidet. And the Jack AM Studios are neat, and Kate Raft is very nice, and uh, Leslie Lee. Leslie Lee is awesome. The yeah. coolest guy. Like, let me tell you about Leslie Lee. He's Jake the Snake. He <laughs> walked. Up to the venue, 15 minutes before he had to be on stage, and fucking killed at our show in New York. Yeah. Fucking just murdered. We didn't even talk before we went on stage. Yeah, he, he just, just commented. Went. Yeah, and he's great because like <laughs> everybody else is like so screamy and like overbearing, and he just like I said, he's Jake the Snake. He just like says it right into the mic, very straightforward. The do the do the do the do, and then you're just fucking dying laughing. Yeah, like whatever it is, I can't even remember the shit he was saying, but I was losing. That's one of those things where I feel like I'm an audience member when I'm performing, uh, when somebody's doing that good. It was awesome. I think to meet Zlinger and Brace and Brace uh, fucking Eugene Violet all in one place. Yeah. I mean, I met Brace in Columbus. Uh, yeah. Actually, I can, I'll can. i talk about that. Me, Brace, uh, one of the guys from Pink Reason and his wife and my wife and uh, Brace's, Brace's girlfriend all met. And uh, that was wild. That one's like a. <laughs> it sounds pretty. Weird. Cool. I mean, he's telling us stories about people shitting and stuff like that. My wife was like, "Who? What? Are like th- performance art? Shitting? Yeah, performance art stuff." And my wife was just like, "Who are these people that your life is like all around now? Like that's who you. That's the that's people. who I run with. Yeah, people that pee on fettuccine and eat it. Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. Pretty much everybody's been very nice to us. And very like uh, respectful of us, and I get along with a lot of people, and I like them all. I don't think I've ever had somebody I didn't like. Uh, that's that's remember like it. a million but billion years ago when we met Dank Metal at uh, yeah. Sam Knight's house, and like I brought the Zoom with like half a battery and only recorded like forty five minutes of a show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you know Sam Knight and Sam Sachs are kings. Yeah, Sam Sachs is a dude that, like, when you hear him on the air, he sound he is a professional broadcaster. And, he is a hand Sam Knight. Him and Sam Knight are like actual journalists, actual reporters, and actual fucking dirtbags and party animals, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. Here's the great thing about them: they got to be the best hosts uh, on the left because, like, they don't take you to some cocktail bar. Like they're like, hey, you're coming into town. We're gonna have some. Pe- we're gonna have some people over. And all of a sudden, there's like a hundred people crammed <laughs> into a house. Weed is everywhere and constantly rolling. Me and Nick smoked ourselves stupid. Like yeah. we were asleep and had to leave early. That was like he. They were the only people that have probably taken me down like that. I mean, I was yeah. tired and my foot was broke, but. I legitimately just smoked myself into a stupor and had to fucking leave. Yeah, the Sams don't stop, and uh, they're very fun to hang. I talked to with. that fucking cool bro. He had a um he he lit the bowl with twine. 
Because he didn't want to have like the whatever the butane or the, oh. the fluid, so very cool. He like lit his shit off a match to a fucking twine, and we were smoking that twine bong. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're doing some stuff with the Sams this summer that I'm very excited about. I'm going to watch them get Brett too high a few times because Brett, me and Brett tour together now all the time. It's just me and him, and and. Uh, he didn't get too high with me. Oh, I'm ready to go, man. But the boys are. But but oh yeah, the no, Sam's they'll around. get me. No, <laughs> they're unstoppable. They're ready to go. Uh, uh, also got really partied with Dog Boner one night. Very very good time. He got very drunk. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what I remember. Do y'all have any uh, suggestions for how to nudge someone who is currently leaning left, uh, but is still hesitant about considering themselves to be a radical leftist? And uh, somebody else said, "Get uh, somebody else answered it, of course." But uh, I guess my answer would be that it doesn't matter if they consider themselves radical. Like I, I don't think it does. I think that as long as they do the actions of a radical, that let them just call themselves a liberal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like where it's like, yeah, I mean, you just. I I understand the the want to have more people identify as radicals. And shit, but like it's it's. I don't think it's necessary to have that happen to 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 a movement or anything. I think it's fine for people to just be like, I'm a liberal. Uh, I'm voting for. I don't know. I'm I'm. I'll volunteer in the community and I'll do all the same stuff that a leftist might do. But I'm 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 a lib. You know. Well, it's fine. I guess it just depends also because if someone is is not or does not call think they're radical and they're not going to go there. Um, I mean, you could definitely, but if they're asking to be convinced is one thing, but if, if they're, if they're already leaning that way, uh, on their own, I mean, it's a slippery slope, right? Everybody that listens to the show knows that there was a moment where you were just like, you know, you, you were really fucking felt hardcore about like the democratic party and, you know, the, the importance of them and all of these people. And then all of a sudden you just. You're like that doesn't make any sense anymore, you know. Yeah. You keep reading things. The the evidence piles up. All of it crumbles apart. You know. You, you know the, the the foundation gets ripped out on like economic issues, and then it gets ripped out on crime issues, and it's like, well, wait, I don't think the Democrats are helping any of us at all. You know. Yeah, and it is. It is about peeling away all I those mean, parts. New Jim Crow is a good, great one, and you can get some like uh, water cooler points with that. Well, no, no one's really reading at the water cooler. They're reading like no. horrible shit. Yeah, they're mostly I mean, probably reading the Howard Stern book. I like would me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. People's history is always a great one. If yeah, they haven't done even, it, it's like that's college freshman stuff. But I don't even know if you have to like really necessarily have them read a lot of stuff. I I, I think that like the goal is to the the action is the goal, not the label, I guess, is is what I think. And if 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 it's possible to get them around people, if it's possible to explain, you know, criminal justice stuff and shit like that, then then like you know, you can get them. You'll get them. Eventually, everybody comes this way or, or just gives up. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, unless they make too much money before they can get far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do y'all have any works of theory books that try to expound on leftist theory that you think have been critical to the evolution of your own ideologies? 
Curious to hear about this since I don't think y'all have really gone into it on the show. Uh, Distinction by Pierre Bourdieu was important for me. It's probably likely the most important book I read because it was the book that talked about how uh, it was it was the first theory book that talked about taste and how taste is used to reinforce class structures. And uh, that was important. I needed to read that. I needed to understand that because it, it, it changed the way that I express myself. It changed. It actually, like, not only did it change the way I look at people or change the way that I react to people's taste and things like that, but it changed my own idea of what I like because there was a piece of me that really wanted to just be respected in this really childish. And and I learned it wasn't a childish thing. Cause I think sometimes we think this, we think that it's a teenage thing. And, and I think this too, that like, Oh, you meet somebody that doesn't like the right kind of music. Oh, I can't hang out with you. You know what I mean? Oh, you don't watch the same TV shows I watch. How are we going to hang out? Yeah. You know? And I think that's a teenage, I think teenagers do that cause they don't have a lot of life experience. Yeah. But when adults do that, it is almost always them projecting their class status, uh, some kind of status on you. And I never truly thought about it in that way until I read that book. And that book made me realize like, God damn, a lot of the stuff, even that like I say that I like, like I, you know, there was a lot of movies that I would say that I liked that I had a hard time even fucking getting through. Yeah. You know, where yeah. it was just like, Ugh, so, you know, that sucks. was just like <laughs> so dramatic. Uh, you know, I was just in rapture for, I was like almost silent for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I was just trying to prove that like I was a higher level. Uh, I, I understood art. I understood craft and shit like that. And, uh, I might have gone too far the other way now, but again, uh, I think it. I, I I think part of the way that I've gone so far the other way is is me kind of trying to um, is me kind of trying to course correct for or be the exam be an example for people like you're just saying things like oh I like corn. It's like not a sexy thing to like. That's not yeah, a cool not thing popular, to like. And, yeah. and, 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 but and people are, can openly and confidently say you're stupid. Right. And you go to a corn concert, though, and, and the entire audience, really seriously, I am not lying about this. Most of the audience at that amphitheater when me and Brett saw corn were the people that you're trying to talk to and turn into fucking socialists. You know what I mean? Like right. that audience, I mean, you're telling them they're stupid. You know, and like, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I, I sometimes maybe go too far this way, but I also want to just be an extreme example of it that you can, you can have your head, you can think about theory and you can think about uh, leftist stuff and you can read books and think about these things. Um, and you can also fucking like Limp Biscuit, you know? Yeah. It doesn't like liking, um, liking fucking, sh- um, Fuck, I don't know. Liking uh, Big Brother on TV doesn't, like, make you an automatically worthless, dumb person. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I've, there's a lot of books I've read, but I don't feel like they're, like, the, the standard texts. And I even get a lot, uh, I, I get a lot, uh, I feel like, from fiction books as well. I think that, honestly, The Island by Aldous Huxley is one of the biggest 
was a big inspiration for me because it's him. It's not. It's barely a book. It's him just writing out a manifesto about how he thinks the perfect society should be, and you know, children, you know, live with their parents, but they also stay with their aunts and uncles for periods of time, and they they live amongst a community of people, and they're able to to share and have relationships with a vast network of people. They introduce them to drugs at like an appropriate age, and alcohol and shit, and schooling is all that, and it's like. I think that just like being open about thinking about something different and not, you know, being shutting it down with like capitalism and money and all of that stuff are, is one of the, some of the things that pushed me this way. But I've mentioned it a lot. And uh, the really one, you know, Noam Chomsky, that dude, uh, that book hegemony or survival was enough for me uh, to, to start to really question the United States government in a huge way, especially after nine 11. Uh, I was already like a conspiracy theory guy, but this was just like hard fucking war statistics, you know, of what was happening with Palestine and all of that. And, uh, I actually worked with somebody that lived in Jordan and they, they were also giving me information about it. So that book was a big one. Griftopia by Matt Taibbi. When like all of the, um, when it all melted down, his explanation of how that all happened, I think that like radicalized me against all of this like ta- this banking shit. I think that's when I was just like, I don't give a fuck about these people's lives. We just need to cut them the fuck out. They can't be hedge fund managers. We can't have that <laughs> job anymore. You're not providing anything of any yeah. service for us anymore. Um, and then like uh, the fire, uh, what is it called? The fire next time is that uh, the James Baldwin one about it that he writes to his nephew. It's called The Fire Next Time. That is a great one. And I think that was really enlightening and uh, just an incredible read. Yeah. And then... There's another... There is a W.E.B. Du Bois one that was a really big deal to me in in regards to, like, racial... Uh, let me get that for you. And then uh, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, you got any secret recipes or vegan vittles to, that you can talk about? Uh I don't have any secret recipes that I haven't kind of said. I I mostly make sandwich. I'm bad because I I make like if I'm cooking, it's mostly like sandwiches or if I'm barbecuing, you know, like I I can teach you to I guess I could do a video on how to smoke meat. But I, I don't I don't cook as much now that I'm on the road more and my daughter and my wife are vegetarians. I'm just really out of practice now, really. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, we're really lacking on this. I mean, it takes so much to to make dinner on a regular basis. I'm just realizing how hard it is, especially with being so doing so much more work, you know. It's like the cooking goes out the window. It's like I don't have time to to make anything elaborate. I mean, I'm just roasting vegetables really for dinner. Like that that's really all I'm doing. Um I don't have any uh I don't have any Man, I don't know. My, I, I, I've never shared this. I want to do a video for this, but I can say it pretty easily. But I have like a green smoothie that I, that I make every day that I think that is it's cheap because you can buy everything in bulk. Uh, it's like it's two apples, a banana, a lemon, uh, a head of romaine lettuce, one of those romaine hearts, uh, through like three sticks of celery and a couple cups of spinach. And you can just like guzzle that shit over two days and uh, that will keep you alive a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't, 
I also uh, the Souls of White Folk and the Souls of Black Folk mm-hmm. by uh, W. E. B. Du Bois are, are really great books about race. Uh, somebody wants to talk us us to talk about the Chapo subreddit getting shut down. Eh, I don't, I don't even know anything it. about yeah. that. We ain't been paying attention. They don't even read their own subreddit. As a 31 year old freshman, I'd like to hear about Brian's experience as an adult college student. Eh, I started at 32, and uh, I mean it's easier when you've worked for a living. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Like when you, you've worked for a living for 12 years. You can be like, I, I can do this, actually. <laughs> yeah. We should sit here and talk about the stuff you're talking about. As long as it's not work, I can do this. And, uh, you, and well, I mean, but you would tell, like, yeah, the other kids would be stupid, right? Yeah. I mean, they would you have just come got a jizzy PJ pants on. Yeah. I mean, you got to have a sense of humor about the other kids there, I think, in a way. I did. There was a guy one time I was sitting in Sociology 101. It was an eight o'clock class. And I was sitting in my seat, and I looked over, and this guy was wearing a pair of black sweatpants with cat hair and jizz all over him. Just jizz. It was like straight up like he just wiped the jizz off and left him on the pants. I was like, what the fuck? Dude. Yeah. Cool it, my dude. Yeah. Got to make it to class, man. I got no clean clothes. I jizzed all over everything. (laughs) Use a bucket or something. I know. Come on. Like, do this. Lick your finger and like wipe the jizz off, maybe. I don't fucking know. Don't wear the jizzy pants. Jizz to do with a finger wipe. Sure, yeah. Just don't wear the jizzy pants. Somebody wants a show with Jason. Um sometime. I think we can do that. I think that'll work out sometime. Um it'll just be confirmations of some of the crazy shit that Brian says. <laughs> What's your wildest drug story? Ah, fuck. I don't know, man. I, uh, I'll, I'll tell this one because it's one that I totally remember. Uh, I took, I dropped acid one night. It was actually the night that melancholy and the infinite sadness CD came out. I went to the store. I bought that album, got my friend's car Cougar and, uh, Rode it all the way out to Asheville or some shit, Ohio. I don't remember exactly where. And uh, we get to this guy's house that I work with at Chuck E. Cheese. Okay. And he's worked at Chuck E. Cheese for fucking ever. He's worked at Chuck E. Cheese for 10 years. He's like the kitchen manager. Name's Jason. He's very cool. Um, I mean, he is like 30 years old and he's hanging out with a bunch of 16 year olds. But at the time, I considered him very cool. He lived downstairs from a pizza place and he had a bunch of old animatronics from Chuck E. Cheese that he had just collected (laughs) along the way. Yeah, he had just collected these things as as things changed within the place. And I'm tripping and I have a wild fucking trip. I think it was like my first bad trip. And then uh, I'm still tripping. At 8 o'clock in the morning when I have to be at work, I get to work. I go up to my boss, and I was like, I'm tripping on LSD right now. I can't dress as the mouse. He's like, uh, drink some coffee. And then uh, <laughs> dress as the mouse. You're going to be all right. Yeah. And uh, I did it, and it was wild. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he did. He gave me coffee. So, man, I get, was it like muffled sound? Yeah. Did you just I feel mean, like I you were just... in a, a fish tank? It was weird, and I also, like, every now and then, somebody would hand you their baby in that Oh, no, yeah, don't do that. And, like, I remember getting really fucking nervous when this lady handed me her baby so that they could take a picture of me in the big mouse costume, holding a baby where, like... People don't know. People don't realize... (laughs) No, that's just like a kid in there. That's not. That's not like a doctor. 
That's not like a that's not like a nurse. That's not like a fucking caretaker in there. Right, sixty to eighty percent of children are afraid of Chuck E. Cheese they, too, right? Like, so it, you put a baby in a guy's hand, yeah, sixty brain. And they squirm. Like they're they might squirm. That is and you can't scary. feel your hands. You have big <laughs> mouse hands. I know. I know. How are you supposed to lock in a grip on that little baby? <laughs> yeah. All I could think about was like, I'm gonna drop this fucking oh, baby. Man. I'm gonna drop the and they, they it, maybe they deserved it. <laughs> it all went well, but you're right. Like maybe Chuck E. Cheese Corporation should put on a board outside the person wearing the Chuck E. Cheese costume is a 16 year old boy who has to have a job. And <laughs> I'm just saying that like a lot of rich kids. Yeah. That don't have, I mean, if listen, I got a job because I wanted two things. One, my parents went camping every single weekend. And uh, if I didn't have a job, I had to go with them. So it was very imperative that the day I turned 16 or I turned 16 in January, but I knew that by May I needed to have a job. So like I got a job at McDonald's right away, like uh-huh. right in May so that I, in April, so that it made sure that I didn't have to go camping with them anymore. And the other reason is just like money for CDs and drugs and clothes. Like I went yeah. those three things. So like, you know, I came in drunk a lot and I came in high a lot, but that acid time was wild because I even remember like, and you know, there's probably no science behind this, but you don't want stimulants when you're fucking tripping on LSD and you're trying to come down. <laughs> <laughs> is that no, I didn't I mean, drink coffee at the time, dude. So coffee I, is an amount of caffeine. Acid also. is the stimulant to me. I know, I know. It, it was wild. Yeah, it doesn't really like make you sit down. It usually feel, makes me feel pretty fucking wired. Yeah, and I didn't sleep. I just like I have these flashes in my mind of uh, like the a, other weird thing that happened was I was sitting because what you would do is you would go out and dance for the kid's birthday. And then you were walk around, you hug kids, you, you do your fucking thing, and then you go back into a back room, and you can take the jacket off, and you can take the head off and the gloves off, and just sit on a fucking milk crate and cool it for a minute. And, you know, you can go out back and smoke a cigarette once you take the pants off. I remember I was just sitting in that back room with just my regular Chuck E. Cheese shirt, my hat, and uh, the big pants on. Big round pants and the head was on the floor. And this woman brought like a four-year-old kid in and was like, see, it's not real. It's just a guy. And like one of the things they pound into your fucking head when you work there is. Don't let them see about the head on. Right. If you don't talk, if you talk in that costume, that is termination. Yeah. Like yeah. you are gone. Right. You know. You're a mute so. mouse. Yeah, you're not allowed to talk. And then no matter what, you're not allowed to talk. I yeah. get beat up all the time. But yeah, I just have these like flashes of memory on LSD and like having, you know, things that were f- relatively normal that happened a lot, but really weirded me out that day. Like, yeah. What is this thing I'm doing? You know? <laughs> yeah. Did they say bad time? What? Did they say bad time? What What do you mean bad time? The question. Uh, no, just a wild time. Oh, Okay. Yeah, uh, mine is, this is one, I did it on the show, and there's, I don't know if I've had one since, but I did it on the show six or seven years ago when it happened, but the first time I did Mushrooms with my wife, her first time, uh, we went to Galveston, Texas, which is a beach that 
is next to basically refineries. <laughs> Ugliest place. It's smog, and there's gigantic ships. There's ports and bridges for sludge and just gross shit to go back and forth out of out of like the Houston and like you know Gulf area. You were texting me from there and telling like I remember while you're there, you were texting me and you were like, "It's ugly. It's like this beach is next to a 45 mile an hour street." Yeah, and you told me a story about how you and her needed to get to oh. like the other <clears throat> side of like a four lane road. Yes, yes. So we we found an Airbnb, an affordable one. And you just walked up the hill, and the beach was right in front of you. Well, there was a 45-mile-an-hour, two-lane-on-each-side, four-lane fucking road right next to the beach. Like, no strip or anything. Just speeding fucking cars. And probably a light every half mile. So you either had to just sprint across the street or walk all the way down. Yeah, that's crazy to me. So we did. We took. I sprinted, by the way. We like, did that. Trying yeah. to get that, it's the sprint. Some people were really bad at it, though. Like they really thought they had like jets. Like oh. they last time they ran was when they were a kid or mm-hmm. something because. Or they don't know how fast 45 is. Because I'm like, I would not fuck with that if I was you. Not in those plastic shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Not in Crocs. Yeah. Not in Crocs. (laughs) Not in fucking flip-flops. You're not going to gun it across the street. You're going to break your fucking foot or rip a toenail off. So we take them. And it's probably, it is the best one I've ever had. We stayed on the beach for probably four hours. We started by just walking and like talking. And then like, I was, you know... I was like, uh, like being a guide for the entire thing. We were talking about how like the the people at this bar were like making these were just awful, and you know, and uh, how the beach was so beautiful, and they they had just like ruined this thing by f- people had done all this stuff to it. We were like really, you know, wanted Mother Earth to like swallow Galveston, Texas, back up, you know, and restore it to its natural beauty. Um, but as we're out there, I am walking. And I feel my foot like get really hot and I walked through a fucking fire. <laughs> Somebody had a fire out there and I was like so high that I didn't realize it. I'm like standing in a fire. I'm like, why is my foot so hot? And I'm look down and it's just coals, red fucking coals that somebody didn't even cover up with sand. And I stepped in them. And that was one of those moments where I'm like, Oh no, do I have to go to the hospital when I'm fucking tripping? You know? But luckily it wasn't bad. Like I I would like kept rolling. Um and so we're like sitting, I'm like sitting in like lotus position and looking at my wife and just telling her stuff like I'm like repeating things from like that movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? And like all of that all of the metaphysical stuff I can tell her. And she's just like she's like it looks like there's like repeating patterns. Like those are fractals and I'm talking about golden ratios, all of it, like just nailing it. Yeah. And, uh, we're walking down and there's a jetty and all of a sudden I look over and I see two people on the jetty and I'm like, wow, they're pretty far out there. And I see the guy kneel down Oh no! and I'm like, Oh my God. They're fucking proposing right now. This is amazing. Like, this is like synchronicity. This is a fucking sign. And I'm like, we got to go congratulate him. And I go to run and like the best move ever. My wife, like cartoon grabs me by the neck and is like, no way you are not going to interrupt those fucking people's, 
fucking yeah. thing right now. They do not want you involved. You I know. know. <laughs> you can't. You can't. You, I know what your the impulse was. I just wanted to go give him like a little, like a little round of applause or yeah. something. Y'all getting married, man? That's good news. But then man. I'd be like, "Yeah, you want to eat some mushrooms? Yeah, that's some good news, man. Good for you, my dude." And so we were down there for like four hours. It was amazing. We get up to the forty-five mile an hour road. And you know when you start yawning, like when you're done coming down and you start doing those really hard yawns, like stretching out your jaw. And I realized there's like spit and slime and like sea sludge and salt. Like my shirt is just white, like marbled with salt. And we look like we've been trapped on like a desert island. Yeah. (laughs) And we're walking. As soon as we cross the road, there's a lady with her ass crack hanging out in tight spandex shorts and no shoes getting kicked out of a restaurant and cussing the fucking person out. (laughs) And they were like, back to reality. We're like, lose our minds giggling, having so much fun. Go home, turn on like fucking Erica Badu, smoke weed like the real way, like the bud in a bowl. Yeah. And, uh, that was like probably one of the best nights of my life. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It is fun when you see some wild, like with the woman getting kicked out of the restaurant, yeah. the guy out. It's like, that's fucking sweet, yep. man. Yep. This world, this world is made up of pla- <laughs> like uh, all yeah. kinds of different things. I was going to say platitudes, like, uh-huh. uh, but it's like, uh, you know, you got this woman with her ass crack hanging out, getting <laughs> kicked out of a restaurant, which I think is beautiful. And also these people that got married, which I think is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have these sea creatures that are beautiful. You know, you have this, sand and water and the spray i do i love i gotta say this i love when women are yelling and cussing people out like it's one oh of yeah favorite it's fucking fine. things to see what are some places abroad you'd love to visit and what interests you about them i want to start and say japan what interests me about them is number one wrestling number two it, i mean what is i want to go to a country that is not european yeah, like I, I also want to go to like Cape Town. I, I want to go. I only want to go to places that aren't European. I got the, I get the fucking European experience, man. Somewhat Uh-oh. here, yeah. You know, I know they can get mad at me or whatever, but you know what I'm saying. I get the white. I'm not going to say you're not going to go though. I might go. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, Brett thinks we're going to tour there. So you're just not prioritizing. Yeah, it's not prioritizing. Um, Brett, you got a place you want to go? I mean, the two places that I always wanted to live, I'm if to be honest, the very first one is Australia. When I was in like uh, elementary school, I read about it and I had a map of Australia on my wall. I thought it was such a neat place and so different. And it was just really uh, my early intuition to just escape. That's actually, though, an like English, to the f- most farthest place I could. It's an English speaking country and also a country that would be like very street fight. Yes. Like wood. They have hillbillies it's like there. actually a play. Yeah, yeah. It seems like all we could do well there. Yeah. Um, but after that, it would have to be Japan. Absolutely. Just it would. It's an it's still a dream of mine to see Plinko machines, to go to the arcade, to see some Bosozuka to uh, wrestling motherfucker don't act wrestling. like you don't want to see wrestling i don't Joshi. see wrestling <laughs> i want to buy don't act like you don't want to go to cork and all cutting edge electronics <laughs> yeah i uh, do too i just everything about that place i want to go to lawson's convert to zen buddhism and yeah. give away all my whole existence you want to go to lawson's and get an egg sandwich i don't know that one i won't get an egg sandwich Lawson's. i want to do i want to go i you know what i want to go on pikachu when they do that rally with all I the know. pikachus yeah 
That's when I want to go to Japan. I mean, I want to go like the the time I want to really go and and like people. I, I mean, I've heard that it's a horrible time to go. Actually, is during the G one because it's summer there and it's like ridiculously hot and none of the uh, arenas have air conditioning and it's like miserable hell. But it's also like a twenty one day wrestling tournament that I would like be totally fine following for twenty one days. Oh my god! <laughs> I'd have to see the countryside. I just got like I want to see the I want to. Well, yeah, train. but you have to drive to each thing i want to go there for like a month right yeah and and like i i just got back into new japan i just uh first of all found out that i was recurring paying for fucking i couldn't figure out why amazon was taking out 25 dollars a month from my account at random intervals it's like what the fuck and every month it would be like it would happen then i would say what the fuck and then I would forget about it, and then it would happen the next month. And I'd be like, what the fuck? You know, what's this? $25. That's yeah. a lot of money. I've been paying for Showtime for like over a year. Oh, it's like an add-on to Prime <laughs> yeah. video? When that, when when Ali G came out with that new show, I was like, oh, I got to check out this new show. Oh. And then I I signed up for it and never canceled it. You called him Ali G. All right, whatever. It sucked. The show sucked. Right. Right? Ali so, G does it. So then, uh, yeah, Ali G kicked ass. Um, so then I also had DC universe and I canceled it and then signed up for new Japan world again and started watching the best of the super juniors. And, uh, so that's something Brett's going to have to watch when we're on the road. Um, Shingo versus uh show. Excellent okay. match. Great match. Okay. A lot of fire in that. Okay. Uh, next question. Oh, this one's, I I've talked about this one a bunch. Maybe this is one for. I'll answer it real quick because people have heard it. Uh, when did you realize something ugly about yourself and what did you do to fix it? Um, oh, I, like so my appearance? No. Oh. Like you as a person. Oh. Ugly. You don't think there's any ugly things about you as a person? Uh, sure. So uh, the when I did was we were recording an old show and uh, I was talking about dating when I was in high school. A lot of girls cheated on me and stuff and. And just, I just wasn't very lucky with women. And, and like, when I go back on it now, like, one of the girls that, like, really broke my heart broke up with me two days after uh, we had just had intimacy. And she said, I love you. And I just didn't respond at all. I, like, didn't say anything. And, it was like, let's get up and go. And then she broke up with me because she was fucking embarrassed. But I thought she, she just shattered me. I was like shattered by this. The three weeks we were together. Yeah. Three weeks. And I cried and miserable and all this stuff. Um, so, but anyway, I talked about this, right? On the old show. Yeah, I talked about a couple old girlfriends and, and just like all the times that that I had like, like in retrospect, now I was not the best boyfriend. Uh, but I blame them for things that had happened, right? And uh, I said on the show, well, one thing we can all, it was sort of like a one thing we can all agree on. One thing that we all know is that I'm, I'm like at my core, a nice guy. And Brett said, no, no, you're not. <laughs> and I said, but I didn't even respond. I don't think I responded. I think we just moved on. We, we treated that like a joke, but I went home that night and I sat down and I thought about it and I was like, you know, if uh, you had just met me, right, and, like, you weren't some person that had, like, permanent baggage with me for, you know, somebody I knew since I was fucking 14, uh, 
I don't think I'm a very nice guy to that to you. You know, like Katie thinks I'm a nice guy. Jason probably thought I was a nice guy, right? Because Jason has known me since I was a teenager, a little kid. And like, I am not mean to him particularly. And when I am mean, I'm busting his balls. He's like, oh, you're just busting my balls, you know? And uh, the way that I fixed it was just like, I, I, the mean jokes had to stop. Like, it, the first thing I changed about myself was no more busting balls. Like, and if I was going to bust balls, I was going to do it sparingly and with people who actively chose, like, I'll bust your balls, right? And you'll bust sure. my balls and it's fun. And, uh, <laughs> but we're never too mean to each other. And uh, we, we're, we've entered into an agreement in a, in a sort of way as part of a friendship. Uh but uh, oh, I, I'll tell you, there was this guy that used to come around. I was in a band with him. I I, uh, I sang and he played drums. And uh, I knew him for probably two years. And I think about this all the time. But every time I talked to this guy, I was mean. I mean, like, I'm talking about, like, every word that came out of his mouth, I pounced on him and busted his balls and made jokes about it. And then he, like, stopped coming around. I haven't, I, like, haven't seen him since that time. Sure. And when I think about it now, it's like, fucking, of course he stopped coming around. I was, like, never nice to him. He probably didn't even think I was his friend right? in the way that I was treating him. So I kind of cut that shit out. And then the other thing I did was uh, I, I try very hard not to have baggage with people. Like, uh, I take people on their word when I talk to them. So if Brett tells me something right now sitting at this table, uh, I believe him. And he's not lying. And if he tells me a different thing tomorrow, I believe him. And I don't think he's lying just because of what he told me today. Because I think that people change by the fucking minute. I change by the minute. And I yeah. think people change their mind by the minute. I think, like, your ideology might be pretty stiff. It might be there. But you change your ideas all the time. Uh, maybe I like a song right now. I might not like it in six weeks. Please believe me that I don't like it when I say I don't like it. Don't be like, oh, you used to like it. Now you don't like it anymore. It's not good enough for you. It's like, no, I just don't like it. But like the reason I'm using songs is because that actually happens when me, when, when you and a friend or you and another person have a conversation with each other, you can say a thing to them that can hurt them or that, uh, and that is just a small part of what you're saying to them. You know, you're, you're talking to a guy, you're having a half hour conversation with them. One sentence that you said stuck in their head and they remember that sentence. And even if that sentence didn't mean anything to you and, and there was nothing behind it, it then becomes a thing that there was something behind in their head. And then it builds up a resentment and uh, it, that then leads to like that paints your relationship. And so many people I see walking around in this world are, are building all of their relationships in their head and all of the things, all of the characteristics that they ascribe to their friends and family and people around them are things that they have read between the lines and not believe the words that came out of the person's mouth. And, and like, you'll hear this a lot when you talk to somebody and they're like, well, she said, this but uh you know you know when 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 she said that what she really meant was this and you're like well, maybe she just really meant the yeah. thing that she said, <laughs> <Almost> said. <laughs> and uh so i i try to see p i i mean i feel like it's important to take people where they are at the time by their word and uh at, 
it's worked a lot better for me. And, and now that doesn't mean that people don't take things I say and, and feel badly about them. And it doesn't mean that I'm like always nice. I've hurt people's feelings. I mean, like Gwen just told me two weeks ago that like, you know, I really like being around you now because you're not constantly yelling about money and freaking out about it, which then means that up until this month, yeah, <laughs> I was not fun to be around and yeah. I was constantly yelling about money and being angry about money. Yeah. And that wasn't fun for my daughter and that wasn't fun for my wife. Right. You know, so now that's something I have to change. And, and, and that's the thing. The ugly thing about me was that like, uh, I did all those things and it made me a, not a very nice person. And like, Foremost. Yeah, but you, you gotta make change though, because I instead of just make more money. No, but the foremost thing in my mind now is changing those things. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Like, so it's like I looked back on it, was like this this happened, and uh now I need to be I need to be cognizant of the fact that when I feel stressed about money, that affects everybody in the house. It doesn't just affect me. And I need and like so now it's like I want to be cognizant of those times. And right. just for me, like change the ugly things about me never go away. And it's a constant thing where like I know there's like probably more ugly things about me than most than a lot of people. And uh I need to just always be always be working on stopping yeah, those you, things from rearing their heads. You could probably do a you could probably put a stop on the, the bad stuff thing about the bad stuff you about yourself for just a little bit, maybe. <laughs> my wife I think just you're, was you're doing me, enough bad thinking about yourself. Well, my wife was just telling me today that like I need to like stop that it's wrong of me to blame myself for everything. Cause that's yeah. like kind of what I do. I was talking about, I just talked to John Cullen about the show and he said, sometimes on his show with Stefan at the end of the show, he'll be like, God, I didn't say anything funny on that show. And Stefan just said like all the funny stuff and, and you know, it makes him feel bad about himself and he feels like he did something wrong. And, and he said, how do you feel? Like, do you ever feel that way with Brett? And I, I was like, uh, I don't, and I would also say this, if there was a show where Brett came to me and said, oh, and say a lot of funny stuff, Brian, you, you said all the funny stuff. Then I would, then it's, I would immediately be like, oh, that's my fault. Cause I didn't set him up to say a bunch of funny stuff. Yeah. I think, I, <laughs> but if it, I you, think that, I think that we worked out that way out because I did used to beat myself up for a lot of things I didn't say properly or didn't push back on, but it's probably because I was like too fucking drunk to do it properly. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, at the same time, like after I did that, then I noticed that it would make you spiral. So then it's like, well, you know, I need to just do better. So that way I don't complain to him. And then he has a meltdown. <laughs> that's well, like just, the way to avoid that. It's if I improve myself, that domino won't fall. But that's the same domino rally dominoes is what we're talking that about. Sort of the same problem. What? At, with, is it like, is our, do you feel like you might have the same problem that I do? Or do you, you don't blame yourself? Like first, because you feel like that, because what I, the reason I do this, and this is for, I don't think this is a good personality trait. I'm not saying that, but I blame myself first because myself is the thing that I can fix. I can't fix another person right. or do another That's thing. Stoicism. Yeah. So if something's fucked up, 
It's like, oh, yeah, you know, the bank account's low. Oh, fuck, you know, i sorry I let the bank account get low. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, the dishes aren't done. Oh, or my, well, I have walked in while Katie was doing the dishes and said, oh, I'm sorry you're doing the dishes there. That should have been me see, doing those dishes. Yeah, that's barring a little too much. <laughs> yeah, I That's know. just like making up problems. Right. Yeah, she says the same thing, though. She's She said that to me in the past. Like, you know, if you blame yourself for fucking everything... Like, that means, like, nobody has agency in your world. That, well, like, you hit, everything that's happening is... You want to hit you with some therapy? Sure. Um, I was talking to my therapist today, and he was saying, make sure that pain doesn't slip into misery, or that pain doesn't slip into suffering. So... So what happens is, like, the pain is that you, you want to be the person that does the dishes. Mm-hmm. Uh... And you see Katie doing them. So you, the pain of like you not being in part of the dishes now goes to you. Like, I, I fucking don't do anything around here. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm just this guy that talks for a living and doesn't do shit. And then, so you've slipped into suffering. But like, you know, you have to, you know, that's, so that's like the, what's at play there. You have to make sure that you're like, you know, I want to do the dishes, but what's happening right now? Katie's doing them. Is she mad about it? Nope. Is she complaining? Is she telling me I'm awful? Or am I making that up? Yeah. Because I did a lot of that too with Erica when we lived in D.C. was that I set up these ridiculous standards where I was going to make everything by hand and I was going to cook every meal and do all this stuff. And it was too extreme for any person. No. You have yeah. to use shortcuts. You have to buy single-use fucking snacks sometimes to keep a household running. Yeah. And I was up till three in the morning cooking and cleaning and trying to be like a happy housewife about it. And then like hating it and being resentful about it and uh erica never once said i expect you to do any of this <laughs> yeah 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 i do that too that is the thing about me is that like uh i set i set thing i'll with both you and katie and i would say with you katie and gwen like i set up expectations for myself that i could never possibly meet Partially because these relationships are two people relationships. Yeah. But I want to, I feel like, I feel like if things, if, if me and you aren't talking very much, that that's a hundred percent my fault. Like it doesn't, it's not your fault. There's, you don't have anything in it. It's me. Oh, I'm not, I'm not texting. Uh, I'm not being understanding. I'm not listening when he talks. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And yeah. it, 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 like when I say it out loud now, that sounds incredibly, like that's selfish. Yeah, that well, is it's, really just taking, that is me taking everything on as though, uh, again, you don't have agency. Katie right. doesn't have agency. And I'm not doing half agency. the lifting of our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing a hundred percent of it. And I've said that to you in the past about how I feel with friends and shit. That like when 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 it comes time to hang out, because me and Brett are like, I mean, like beyond doing this show, we're not just two guys that do a show together. We're, we're like friends that hang out and do things together and uh, with our families and shit. We spend the holidays together and shit. And uh, I feel as though we, we, maybe with you, with Adam, with Brandon, uh, these are our friends uh, with, with them. Like, I don't maybe sometimes we don't hang out. And I don't call you because I feel like you don't want to hear, like he doesn't, you know, if, 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 if Brett wanted to hang out tonight, if Brett wanted to play games, if Brett wanted to go, 
I, you know, bullshit on the front porch tonight, he would call me. He don't want to fucking hear from me. Like, why would he want to hear from me? I'm just going to be bugging him. And then I don't do it. And then we don't hang out for weeks at a time. And uh, that's that just means I'm not that like means I'm not doing any lifting in any kind of friendship. I am not even trying because I, I am shutting it down with and blaming it on me. Yeah. Or like reason why you can't do and stuff like that or why it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people have that. I, I feel like a lot of people like spend all their time at home by themselves because they don't think they think that asking somebody to do something with them is bugging them. And maybe that's because when somebody asks you, ask them to do something, they feel annoyed by it. But uh, a, lot of, a lot of times I think it's the other way, though. Because I love being asked to do shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm not annoyed by having friends. Mm-hmm. I don't think I turn... I, bear, I, I almost never turn people down. Like My life happens at night now, and I got this teen daughter that runs away that runs my life and shit so sometimes i can't get somewhere till nine o'clock and you know people go to bed early and shit like that but like uh but yeah and but i think that my the the thing about never ask there are so many unhappy people in this world that just don't want to ask somebody to do something because they don't want to get in their shit they feel like they're in their shit you know yeah. oh god this guy fucking it, like imagine just thinking like like for me imagine me thinking like oh fucking you know or, or like i like in my head this is the conversation right it's hey brett do you want to go see uh I don't know. Brett, do you want to go see uh, Mastodon and Coheed and Cambria? And then on the other side, Brett checks the text and goes, oh, this fucking asshole asked me to go to a really fun concert. And do you understand? <laughs> Which is like, that's not how it happened. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I bought a ticket for that. I know. I just saw that it's up there. Is it sold out? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have to look at it. We don't get back until it's that a, day. It's a Wednesday night, actually. Uh, well, good, because I was going to try to do the show on Thursday that week. Perfect. the week we get back from yes. tour and shit. So. That's perfect. All right. I uh, don't know if we have any. I, I guess here, I'll uh, I'll We're check through. Hour 15 right now, I think. Yeah, let's do a quick. I'm going to do a quick couple more. We're at an hour 17. We didn't do a call-in show this week, so here you go. Uh, Brian's ranking for Mick Foley's wrestling personas are... Cactus Jack, Mankind Dude Love. You for what? They want my ranking of Mick Foley's wrestling personas. Oh man. Um Dude Love, Cactus oh, Jack, goodness. Mankind. Cactus Jack's the coolest one though, dude. Yeah, of course. Bye bye. Uh well, he's alright. <laughs> uh what would you do with your time in your utopian world? I would walk. Um, and tweet. So I have to like, I can do this. I can still make jokes and stuff, but I've also got to work at like a pizza roll factory for four hours a day. I think they're saying four days a week. What is your life? Like, because like, what would I pursue? Let's pretend we're talking about a world where the robots do all the work and uh, you don't have to do anything. The robots even do the comedy and uh, the robots take care of everything. So there, I think, like, what is your life? Uh, ride my bike across the country <laughs> and drag, like, one of those, like, 200 pounds worth of gear and, uh, yeah, sleep outside. Yeah, yeah. Total, I would probably, dirt, total dirt bag. I'd probably walk from Maine to California, Maine to Los Angeles if I could. Like, yeah. that would be the dream. 
Uh, best ways to have fun slash not be, feel broke even when you're broke. Uh, this is a great question. Yeah. Uh, we do a thing that is very cheap called a grill and chill. And uh, this is a Brett Payne invention. You go to a public park. You use their grills. You grill up some shit. And you bring like cornhole or volleyball or something like that. You just... It's standard using public parks. They yeah. fucking rule. People forgot about them, but they're there. And uh, I love them. Yeah, and they're free. That's yeah, the whole thing's free. You probably some, pay twenty bucks for the food. Something for kids to do. Uh, a reason to get outside. I'm a big fan of that. I've also, you know, I've uh, we've went uh, roller skating for five dollars on Cinco de Mayo, yeah. and I think that is a really cheap fucking time out. That is good exercise, and you feel like you're flying. It's fucking fun. Um, other cheap stuff. Uh, I, you know what, I, if you type free admission into Google and then your city, um, in Columbus, Ohio, the Franklin Conservatory has free admission the first Sunday of the month. Uh, the Columbus Museum of Art does, the Wexner Center does, uh, that other museum in the short north. All of our museums have free admission. Um, I, I, I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, there is, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I mean, bike riding. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I walk, so you know. My favorite Deftones album is "Around the Fur uh, Heaven," and uh, we'll do. We're gonna do one more um, because it's an interesting question, and I I think we'll both get "Around the Fur" is your favorite Deftones. Yeah, it's an important one because, like, I got really into Adrenaline when it came out, and uh, one of my fondest memories, Jason actually is a way big part of this thing uh do you remember uh using america online to go online to go to deftones.com and listen to 30 seconds of my own summer on uh on dial-up internet and just standing down there and going like oh my god this is gonna be the best thing in the whole world when it comes like there was an anticipation for that album that was just off the fucking charts, dude. And so, yeah, Around the Fur is my favorite Deftones album. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say that, I mean, White Pony is my favorite it's one good. and my daughter's favorite. But I'm going to say that Koi no Yokan is totally worth your time. As a, It's as a, come up as like in my shuffle and stuff. And I listen to the whole thing and I think it fucking rules. It's crazy because I've never heard it because it was just... After I got off. Right. And a lot of people say that that album fucking is their best one and that it kicks ass. I, I got to give it a shot. You should give it a try. Yeah. I mean, those guys are so good. But, you know, when we first started talking about new metal, Brett said he didn't like Deftones. And I then didn't. gave him a shot and was like, wow, these like they are a legitimately good band. I think that Around the Fur is the stuff I'm not in. I mean, I lo you know what? I like it, but it's to me, it's like my teenage punk stuff. It just yes. sounds like so warped tour. Yeah. Um, but like when you get into like the White, White Pony. Pony and beyond, it's just like all experimental stuff, which I'm really fucking into. And then the voice makes more sense than like with when it when it's more instrumental and like melodic than when it's just over like yeah metalcore shit that's true uh when did but i love the i mean i do love the last question i'm sorry if we we didn't get them to all of them maybe we'll do some on you know yeah uh why when did each of you as couples decide to get married um so 
I got married on March 17th, 2009. And uh, <laughs> I had uh, got injured at work and I'd been off work for, I don't know, uh, fuck. I can't remember what it was. I think it was a year almost or six months, which then meant that my pay was going to switch from coming from Insight to the Bureau of Workman's Comp. And one of the things we were worried about was that I would lose health insurance. I was driving with my wife and she was like, ah, let's just fucking get married. So we were like, okay, yeah, sure. We, we've been together for 10 years. Yeah. She's like, ah, let's just get married. And uh, we had a few people over and we got married in my living room and we had Baja Fresh for our reception. And then eh, we've just been married since we never really did. And we don't even have jewelry or anything. We're just married. Hmm. She doesn't even really have my last name. Yeah. She calls herself, her, she still calls herself by her old Kate Burns. She still calls yeah. herself by her old last name. Yeah. Um, well, uh, for me, this is kind of, uh, this is interesting in that it was, uh, a sex strike kind of worked on me because Erica <laughs> would not give it up. And I was very used to that happening. And, so over like a course of a couple of months, it was like uh, a really like good romantic buildup. And uh, we just had a lot of stuff in common and she went to art school. So I was kind of, I think, intimidated in a way by that because she knew a lot of stuff. Like I, I'm like a poor boy looking on the outside that wants to be a part of that world, you know? <laughs> and she wasn't either. I mean, she was a check smart manager and then was like, I have to do something different with my life than be a, a payday advance loan manager. Oh yeah. And came from, you know, very meager beginnings. But I think that's, you know, she has the same like uh, lower class work ethic that is just bound and determined to succeed. She reminds me a lot of my mom even though I know I, I don't mean to denigrate my mom all the time there, you know, her passion and drive and the way she stands up for herself. Like, you know, Erica is somebody that I don't can, I don't, is the, isn't the most feminist woman I've met. She is like, no. I'll fight with the guys straight up. You don't need to give me like, I'll shoot from the men's tee. If we play golf, like that, she's like that type of a, a woman. And, uh, I think that, you know, the big attraction for me is that I realized that the relationships I had before were very codependent in a way that we were just had to be around each other. We were up each other's asses. We could only function if we were together. And that's like, that's not good. And that's not sustainable over a long period of life um, because you become very fucking fragile and, you know, the load shifts. So... I felt like I was a whole person, uh, you know, meeting everybody and, and leaving a really long relationship and then meeting you and, and the guys. And so then, you know, meeting Erica and after, you know, being in relationships with other girls and stuff was like, you know, felt like right. But, you know, th this is just the theme of the show. We got married because basically uh, I moved in with her. She got the call to move to Dallas, Texas. And then I moved there with her and I was the stay at home homemaker. She didn't, we decided I wouldn't work at all. 
and I needed health insurance. <laughs> well, no, I'd, actually, I didn't need health. I didn't have health insurance. Couple and, of insurance boys. Yeah. So I got like there were times I had a lung. I had like an infection for probably six weeks, and she was like, "It's not going to go away." And I'm like, "I can, I can make it through." She's like, "It's viral. It's not going to go away until you go get the fucking antibiotics or whatever it is. However that works, I still don't understand it." But um, so I was paying cash bills for doctors and all that after we had Charlotte. Um, she was like, I really think that like, you should go to the doctor. She's like, I'm, I think as like the father of my child, I would like for you to go see a doctor and have them like, give you the okay. And so we got married on like the JFK assassination memorial, like weekend. We, we tried to go up there and it was closed. So then we had to come back the next day and, uh, in the courthouse, Charlotte was our witness and I did actually just get uh, my first, I got a diamond tattooed on my ring finger. So that's my jewelry. <laughs> and Erica got a wood ring. And Couple we said of, we were going to do it forever. Boy, ago. it's beautiful. This world we live in, this 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 capitalist world where love blooms. And uh, then well, also you need insurance. I know we're going over right now real far. But like, honestly, that ABCD show when... You know, it's unfortunate that honestly, the reason I was in those codependent relationships is because I couldn't afford. I, I really didn't have the ability to afford a place, and the like. I couldn't budget. You know, yeah, we needed two people's money to like waste half of it, and then the other half could go towards like shelter and food. Yeah, um, the, and it's uh, it, it sucks. They take away all of our autonomy as people and the ability to, like I said, to become a whole person before entering into a relationship and using another person as like a fucking crutch, you know, uh, or something to fill in the space inside of you that you don't want to fix or, me- or or mess with, you know. Yeah, uh, and it's just doing yourself a disservice. But it, it monetary situations, uh, parental situations change you know all of that yeah all right yeah all right man i think we're good street fight radio thanks for listening that was our q a session thanks for asking those questions you got some good stuff in there uh we'll be back uh fucking thursday you'll hear this friday but you can always watch the live stream on youtube facebook twitch and twitter uh we are here gabbing talking shit people are chatting it's a lot of fun come join us we're trying to start like a little you know low-key mini revolution thing going here so get on board we're street fight peace (laughs) 